Good morning. It is so awesome to be back in the house of the living God here at Millwood Church this morning. We had a phenomenal time last week and was allowed to minister to, I guess, close to 100 people there. Maybe not quite 100, but it was, it was a powerful time. Let me say, this one guy, he was so caught up in it, he got the break dancing on the floor and spinning and he won a free t-shirt, amen. He was, <laughs> this guy was ready to put it out, but he was, it was a good, good time in the Lord, and we, we represented Christ the best that we could, and it was awesome, amen. We come back today, though, ready to hear a word from the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I guess we need to go to Revelation, first of all. Revelations 22, verse 20. And 21. This is going to be the last page of your Bible. I just wanted you to start turning there because I was going to let you know that this morning I probably need a lot of prayer up here because I'm not someone who likes change. I, I like things to be set in stone and don't change it. You know, it's working, don't change it. But, but, but God has given me a message that is completely way out of my comfort zone. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, but no thank you. But anyway, we're going to do it his way, not my way. And so it's going to be completely out of our norm around here this morning. In fact, we're going to get to the, the title of our lesson, I think, probably on page three. Our text is probably on page three of my notes. So it's kind of strange because everything is set up almost backwards here for me, but I'm going to just do it the way he's given it to me. But, but we're going to be looking at a certain thought today. And it's a thought that we have to keep in our mind constantly. And that's what we're going to start with before we even get to our message. Because something has to take place before the second coming of Christ. We know that Jesus is coming soon. Amen? But we as a body of believers, the, the, the church, we have to prepare not only the church itself, but, but the people around us. We, we have a job. We have the responsibility to prepare people for the second coming of Jesus Christ. In other words, I believe that God is going to give us a special type of grace to accomplish that. Because if you think about the, the, the people who maybe lived 100 years ago, they probably couldn't handle the things that we're handling right now. Because you see, they were designed, they were prepared for that time of the world. But you and I, we have been prepared by God for such a time as this. And you may think to yourself, why am I here? Why, why are we going through this? Because God has a plan. You believe that this morning. My Bible says that, that God has a plan for you. I, for I know the plans I have for you, declare, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And, and I believe that even now as we speak, that, that, that we are stepping into the days of Noah. Jesus tells us that, that, it, that in, in the book of Luke 17, verse 26 and 27, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit. He said, just as it was in the days of Noah, 
so will it also be in the days of the Son of Man. People are eating, they're drinking, they're giving in a marriage up to, the day, up to the day that Noah entered the ark, then the flood came and destroyed them all. And so what we have to understand is that when Christ comes, he also brings his judgment. Are you with me so far? But let me just say this, the judgment that he brings this next time will not be the judgment of water. God gave us something called the rainbow, which they have tried to twist and disfigure, but the rainbow was a covenant by God saying that I will never flood the earth ever again. That's what the rainbow is all about. Every time you see a rainbow, you have a promise from God that I'll never flood the earth ever again. But when Christ comes back <clears throat> the second time, he's not coming back with water. Oh, but the Bible says he's coming back with fire. Are you with me so far? Isaiah writes it like this in Isaiah 66, verse 15 and 16. See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebukes with flames of fire. And with fire and with his sword, the Lord will execute judgment upon all men. And many will be those slain by the Lord. And so the thought today is the reason that we're having this message because this thought today is what we're going to build upon right now. In fact, I could probably use it as our text, but I'm not because you see that something that we need to look at has to take place first. I want you to think about it like this. If you knew that you had company coming to your house, would you not prepare your house for the coming? Did I go over your head? If you knew someone was coming to visit you, would you not prepare for the visitation? And so this is what this message is all about. This message is that ain't no doubt that Christ is coming. We know he's coming. But, but this is getting ready for his return. Because I can tell you right now, some of you think you're ready, but you ain't ready. Because you haven't learned, according to the word of God, to put God first in everything in your life. Because until you learn to put Christ as number one, you're not ready. Because he's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come when we least expect him. He's going to come at a time we're not ready for him. But I say right now, you need to get ready because he is coming. Go to uh, Revelations 22, verse 20 and 21. If you want to stand, that'd be fine. If not, that's fine too. This is not really our text, but this is where he wants us to start. The Bible said, he who testifies to these things says yes. Yes, everybody say yes. Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the grace. We thank you for the reading of your word. We, we thank you for what you have prepared from the foundation of the earth for even today.
Lord, I believe by faith you have a message. I believe by faith you have a special word for your people today. And so I ask, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that God, that you will place a special anointing, a special mantle on the man of God. Let the words of my mouth, let the words of my tongue be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. I pray right now in the name of Christ that you would touch my mouth with the fire of God. And you would burn out any and everything that is not of you out of my thoughts, out of my mind, out of my heart. May I speak your words, not my words, your thoughts, not my thoughts. Let you dwell in me even now by the power of the Holy Spirit and touch life forever. In Jesus Christ we pray. God's people said amen and amen. So Jesus says that, that, that I am. I'm coming soon. So God is showing us right here that, that the Christ will soon break through the heavens, come down in the clouds. I think it's in the book of Acts somewhere. It says that men of Galilee, why, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has gone in the clouds will come back in the same way you've seen him leave. Come on, amen. Do you believe he's coming? Say amen. And so I believe that God in His grace is going to give us a special type of grace. You see, Noah, he had to have a special type of grace on his life to accomplish what he did. You know, it took him like 120 years to build that ship. That's a long time to stay focused. I have trouble staying focused for 30 minutes. But 120 years to build that ark. And so what it shows me that, that God had given Noah a special grace of strength. That God gave Noah a special grace of knowledge. He had to have knowledge to build that thing. He gave him a special type of wisdom to deal with the people. He gave him a special type of grace to have patience. See, we have to be patient, says we wait upon the Lord. Because those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And Noah also had to have a special type of grace to love the people who persecuted him. You see, the, the, the sooner, the closer we get to Christ, the more the persecution will be turned up. Understand that, that you're here because you have been given a grace to handle the pressure. And when it gets to the place where like, I, I can't bear this anymore, God says, let me show you that you can and God begins to turn up the heat in your life. And you think, I'm going to fall under pressure. He says, no, trust me. I designed you for this purpose. I place you here right now in this time because you were designed by the hand of God to endure. Are you with me so far? Let me show you something unusual. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Listen carefully to this. Paul says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. See, God, he had to create us at this time for his will, for his purpose. Because as the time grows closer, to the days of Noah. 
People hate each other. People are despising each other. There's hardly no love found anymore, and sometimes even in the church. But, but it takes a special type of people, and that's you, to endure it. You look in the mirror, you see something that God has designed for now. My wife says she was struggling this morning. Her head was spinning. I'm saying because the, the world around us is coming unwound. And, and, and because of it, we feel the effects of it. Do, do you sometimes just think, oh my gosh, what's going on here? It just, it just feels like everything is coming undone. And so Paul describes our world for us. He identifies it perfectly. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Listen to this. If this doesn't describe our world today, then I'll just sit down. This is. This is our world. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. That, that's not today. Come on, amen. Because everywhere you look, someone's taking a selfie. Oh, oh, I don't love myself. Then why are you constantly taking your picture? You think about it like this, when, when, when you were a kid and they passed out the, 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 the picture of the group, the, the classroom, who was the first person that you looked for? Case closed. <laughs> People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. He says, have nothing to do with them. How many times have you read that scripture where it says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Be the head and not the tail. Come on, amen. And that's you and I because we cannot conform to the image of this world. But we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the word of God. We have to take the Word of God and we have to use the Word of God in such a way that, that you and I will be changed. Not to the image of your pastor, but into the image of Jesus Christ. And the reason we do that is because time is running out. See, you can't save the world around you if you're looking just like the world. That there has to be something different about you that would cause them to be attracted to what it is they're seeing. And they'll ask you, what is it about you that, that, I, that I, there's something about you, I, I really like it. Something stands out, that, and that something's called Jesus. Because if you don't have Jesus shining out of your life, the Bible says go and make disciples of all nations. See, we are supposed to represent Christ throughout the world. Everywhere we go, when, when, when we went last week as a band, you know, down to Livingston, we were representing something so much bigger than ourselves because we're just five simple guys. But, but when we stepped into that place, that church, the house of God, we represented the living God.
We represented the kingdom of God. We represented the word of God. And so our life and everything we did reflected the one we served. Are you with me so far? And so let's look at this important grace that God has given us. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. And you'll see that this is not just some grace, but this is referred to as all grace. Everybody say all grace. The Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all you need you will abound in every good work in other words he's not going to just give you a little grace but he's going to give you all the grace it takes to accomplish his will and so when you get to that place and you don't think that you can do it that's exactly when you can do it because God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses God's strength is made perfect. God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. The weaker we become in our flesh, the stronger He can reflect. So when you think you're a nobody, you're perfect for the job. So let's look in Ephesians 2.10. We're going to see that right here we are the perfect tools for today. Ephesians 2 and 10, the Bible says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Listen to what Peter says. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world. Stop right there. Now, all these aliens that we're hearing about on television, this is not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the grays or whatever you call them, okay? We, we're the aliens. We are identified as strangers. In other words, when the world sees us, we should be very peculiar. Peculiar people, unusual. When people meet me, they're probably thinking, he's a weirdo. I am. I'm the strangest person you'll ever meet. You know why? Because... You may be a fool of something, but I'm a fool for Jesus. I am a Jesus freak. Come on, amen. You want to talk to me? We're going to talk about Jesus because that's my number one subject. I, I love fishing. I do that sometimes. I like camping, survival. That's what I do sometimes. But my number one priority in my life is Jesus Christ. And that's what makes me an alien and a stranger to the world. So he said, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to do what? To abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good godly lives among the people among you that when they see your good deeds, they will glorify God on the day he, what? Visits us. In other words, we should live such a good life on this earth that when people... When Christ comes, they're going to glorify God. Your people rock. Come on, amen. These people are solid because they represent you 100% body, soul, and spirit. Are you with me so far? So let's just go ahead and give our message today a title. Our title this morning is, Yes, I'm Coming Soon. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Neighbor, do you realize how close we are to the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, say amen. Hallelujah.
Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2, Paul says, Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Jesus said in Revelation 3 and 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in into him and he into me and he will eat with me and I will eat with him. Are you with me so far? In other words, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand right at your heart and I'm going to knock and I'm going to keep knocking until you allow me in. In other words, you and I as the men and women of God, we have to bring to the world around us a Jesus who's wanting to enter their life. What does your shirt say? It says, Jesus Christ will change your life. Roger walked in and I read it. I'm thinking, hallelujah. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. And all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself in Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry is called reconciliation. In other words, God is desiring to reconcile the world back to himself. Through Adam, all men sin. Through Jesus, we all can become righteousness through his blood. Are you with me so far? So now that we have our foundational verse, let's go to our text. What you will find is a very familiar passage of scriptures, one you've heard probably numerous of times over the years, but that's okay because that is where God's taking us now. Here's our text. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. I promise you, you know this story. As Jesus walked, Beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in a boat preparing their nets without delay, Jesus called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Y'all ready for this? So let's just dive into the meat of the lesson right now. This is what God has shown me. He says, the closer you follow me, the more I will make you hungry to fish for men. The closer you walk with me, the more desire you will have to win souls. The closer you live with me, the closer you pray to me, the more you read my word, the more your desires will change. You're not going to desire to... To have big homes and big cars and fancy this. No, your desires will change. Because when you begin to follow Jesus, I'm not saying follow religion. I'm not saying follow a church. I'm saying following the king. When you decide that I'm no longer going to follow the world, 
but I'm going to follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let me say this. Your desires will be like his desires. He has one desire, to save the world. What does God desire from you? To save the world. Are you with me so far? But, but I'm talking about following Jesus. And so if you're following someone, that, that means someone is what? Leading you. Is that correct? If you're following someone, that means what? Someone's leading you. Paul said it like this, Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Jesus said it like this, John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you you see, to know the truth is to apply the truth. He didn't say know about the truth. He said the moment that you know the truth, in other words, when you begin to practice what you know, that is when you begin to know. Did I go too fast? The moment that you begin practicing what you know about, that's when you begin to understand it. Let me prove it to you. Look in the book of Philemon. Don't turn there. Because we'll be here till next week. You're looking for the book of Philemon. It's only one page. And I can't find it half the time. Like, where is it? I know it. I go to the index. But in the book of Philemon 1.6, listen, listen to this. He says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of all the good things we have in Christ. Let me bring it to where the rubber meets the road. You can't understand what salvation is until you learn to give it away. Hallelujah. You, you think you know what salvation is. No, no, no. You don't have a clue. Because the moment you share Jesus with someone and their life is changed right before your eyes, come on, something happens inside of you. No, no, they're not the only one crying at that moment. Because at that moment, they're being changed from the inside out, but your outside is changing to conform what you know on the inside. Because now, on the outside, it's designed to do what it's calling me on the inside to do. My outside has no clue what God's doing on the inside, but when I allow the inside to speak to the outside, and the outside is changed and transformed, my outside begins to change more like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. And, and the only way I can do that is I got to share Him with the world. Are you with me so far? And so the more you share God's salvation, the more you can understand it. Because disobedience will shut the door of the knowledge of God's revelation in your face. The moment you say no, the door of understanding says, close. Can you imagine going down there, putting on the rock show and never share Jesus with nobody? The door was shut on my face. Guy came up to me and said, I, 
Someone told me you were a preacher. You didn't tell me that. I said, I don't tell nobody I'm a preacher. He says, why not? I said, because the moment I do, they begin to put on their show. I don't like shows that kind. I don't like when people begin to get holy in front of me. Either you're holy or you're not. Don't put on no mask to impress me because I'm a preacher. Because let me say this, it doesn't impress me. But what does impress me when I go and people don't know me and they're acting godly and holy and righteous right before me, I'm impressed. And let me just say something. That little church we went to, which was not little at all, it was big, had a balcony and everything. But those people were very Jesus-like. They showed us phenomenal love, grace, and mercy. Understand this. God's Word has the power to change your life because it changes your desires to the point that you will desire exactly what Jesus desires today. If the desire is not being changed, it's telling me you may not be following Him the way you think you're following Him. If you could care less about anybody getting saved, I can promise you, you're not following Jesus. Let's think about his life. Let's think about his death. Let's think about his crucifixion. Let's think about his resurrection. Every single thing. There was not one thing that Jesus did that did not say, I'm after the world. We know the scripture. God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. What was his desire? To save. To seek and to save that which was lost. I'm after what was lost. Adam lost it. I'm going back for it. What's your desire today? I'll make more money. Get my retirement set up. You may not have a retirement because he might come in about five minutes. I hope he does. And I hope I got all you with me. Because if I don't, grab hold of my shoe. I'm going to try to bring you in. 1 John 4.10. The Bible says, this is love. Everybody say, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. If I came to Austin right now, church is over, and I come to Austin, hey, Austin, I need you to follow me. I need, I need to do something. So, so Austin, being that I'm his pastor and his friend, right, what would he do? He would get up out of his chair, and he would what? He would follow me. He would go wherever I'm going, and then I'd say, can we take this somewhere or move this? then what would he do next? Out of love, he'd say, yes, pastor, we'll move this table. Or whatever it is, because you see, he, he's not just, just going through an action. No, no, he's following me. And so, this is not your pastor talking. This is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. This is the God-man manifesting the flesh, asking you personally, come and follow me, and I will make you a fisherman of men. 
You see, because when you study the Word of God intently, when you pray and you fast and you seek God's will, that Word of God will make you. Everybody says, it's going to make me. It's going to make me into a fisher of men. If you're not studying your Word, you kick it to the curb and maybe once a week, you may pick it up and grab a scripture. That's not going to change you. It's not enough. How many times do we eat a day? Three or four times a day? David eats like six. I'm sorry, five. Yeah, we went to Livingston. Every time we turn around, he's stopping. We'll get a hamburger, bro. I'm like, bro, with two minutes ago, we had a cheeseburger. No, that boy can eat. If we can get the appetite of David, David said, I have a heart for God. The man after God's own heart. If we could get an appetite like that, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. David had a heart. He was the man after God's own heart. He was after God. He was hungry for God. And so since he was hungry for God, that means he was hungry for what? Lost souls. When we get a desire to be like Jesus, when we get a desire to look like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to walk like Jesus, then you'll have a desire to fish like Jesus. Someone asked me, did, did someone get saved last week? I'm like, no. You know how bad that made me feel? Because I had one desire, and that was to bring in the fish. Come back, and my net was empty. I'm like, Lord. Then she said, well, at least some seeds were planted. I said, Yes. I forgot about that part. I don't know whose life that we impacted, but somebody had to be changed because the Holy Spirit was moving by his fire. I forgot my lyrics and songs. I got so wrapped up in Jesus. But here we are serving the King of Kings, and he's saying, come and follow me, and I will make you a fisherman of men. I wrote this thought down this week. I'm going to read it to you because I can't quote it. But think about this thought that God gave me. I truly don't think you can follow Jesus without the thought of fishing for men. And I don't think you can fish for men without the thought of Jesus in your heart. It works hand in hand. When you think about Jesus, you should be thinking about lost souls. When you think about lost souls, you should be thinking about Jesus. And so what Jesus is saying here today is that the more we pray to Him, the more we study this word daily, the more conviction you will have to reach people for the kingdom of God. You see, you can't follow someone without first understanding their heart's desires. You can't follow someone without understanding their direction. You can't follow someone without understanding the way they're going and the way they're pointing you to. Jesus is saying, the world is lost. What's my job? To bring in the harvest. All right, let's look at the names of Jesus right quick. Am I boring y'all completely yet? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Correct? Jesus says that I am the gate and I am the door. All right, what, what Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the road that takes you up to the gate. I'm the gate that allows you to come in into the door, and I am the door that lets you into the kingdom of God. 
I'm everything that you need to get into heaven. And all God is asking us today, not to throw down this awesome sermon, but he's just saying, hey, I want to show you the way, the truth, and the life. I want to show you how to get through the gate into the door. It's that simple. But see, in our mind, we're, we're thinking about what will they say that God did with them. You be faithful with the little things. Just speak Jesus. And, it's all, and he, his name moves mountains. Devils tremble at the name of... There, there's nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. If you don't study your Bible, you, you can just open it up somewhere. And it will speak to you. Sometimes, some of you might... I don't know how to study the Bible. That's fine. Just open it up and read something. Just don't go to Ecclesiastes at first, okay? Because Ecclesiastes is about meaningless. Solomon, he spent his entire life searching for something to fill his heart. He had the greatest riches. He had 900 women, 600 wives, 300 concubines. It would take him over the year to go through three times a day to get through all his wives. Ooh, he's a sex maniac. Come on in. He had all that. He had all the riches. He had anything that money can buy. And he says, you know what? Everything I built, every, everything I did, it's meaningless. Unless I have God. There's only one thing that makes this life worthwhile, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's what Ecclesiastes is all about. It's all about just having a relationship with God. Everything else is just... So if you open your Bible and it fell to Isaiah 6 and 8 and it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. When you read that scripture, the Holy Spirit of God inside of you should saying, say to you, lift your hand up. Tell the Lord, I'll go. I'll go. Send me. You remember when the teacher would ask us, Would someone like to clean the chalkboard? We wanted to do something. Right now, some of you are wanting to do something. And the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is asking you personally right now, who wants to go? Your hand and your spirit should be raising up. Lord, send me. Don't, don't make up an excuse about why you won't go. I don't know enough. No, you know enough. you got the Word of God in you already. You have the Holy Spirit. The one who wrote the Bible is living inside of you. He said, I will give you words and wisdom that your adversaries will not be able to contradict. In other words, it'll come out of you and be like, where's this coming from? How many times did that happen to you, Roger? You, you'd be sharing with Jesus or something and, and the word of God just come out of you like, whoo, I forgot about that one. Yeah. But let me bring it to where the rubber meets the road right now. Luke 11 and 23. This is going to be your ouch verse. Y'all ready to say ouch? Are you ready to say ouch? Good. Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. If you're not with me, you're scattering. 
So ask yourself, am I a gatherer or am I a scatterer? Because obviously there's two people in the church, those who gather and those who scatter. Remember that God is not the author of confusion here. Jesus said in Mark 3 and 24 and 25, he said, if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Ask yourself, is my house divided? I'm not talking about your apartment. I'm not talking about your homestead. I'm talking about this house, the house of the living God. This thing we call the temple. Is your house divided? Are you gathering or are you scattering? A good example would be like this. Do we have any mothers who watch the grandbabies sometimes? Okay? It'd be like this. Mama's coming in about 10 minutes. It's time to play clean up, clean up. Okay? And so you start putting things in the toy box while at the same time your grandbaby is taking them out. You're gathering, she's scattering. Wait, wait, baby, put them all in the box. No, no, I want to play. See, that's us where we're playing church. We're not serious about the kingdom of God. Because when you get serious and you really follow Jesus, you will fish. You will look for a reason to get somebody saved. You won't use a reason not to. You'll do everything you can to get them saved because he was all about one thing, bringing in the kingdom. How do I know I'm following Jesus? Are you hungry for lost souls? No, then you're not following. You're scattering. You're making a mess. He's trying to clean it up. My Bible says this, James 4 and 8. He says, draw near to God and he would draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James also says that a double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. In other words, you got to have your mind and your heart on the same page. Your heart can't be about God and your mind be about this and that. No, no. You got to get these two lined up or you're called a double-minded man. If you're double-minded, you're unstable. You're like the wind blowing the waves. You're just being tossed. Anything will move you. No, no, no. When you have a mission, when you have a goal, I have a goal right now. I'm thinking to myself, I'm speaking to myself right now. I know these people are saved, but Lord, if there's somebody who's not saved, can I get them? Can I get them in the boat with me? I'm fishing in a pond. I caught everything. There's got to be one left. Well, there can't be unless you bring them. See, see, you may not be a great fisherman of men, but you got a lot of power because you know how to use what God's given you to bring them. I'll buy you lunch if you'll come. I'll buy you lunch. I'll buy you supper. Use whatever God has given you to get them in here. You get them in here, they're going to get caught. Because I use a treble hook called the cross. I'm horrible at fishing for fish, but when it comes to Jesus, 
saving souls, God can use me. Because why? I'm available. All these pretty lures, Lord, and you choose this ugly lure, I'll fish for them. Yeah, that's me. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37, 38, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And so in our story, we have, can I finish this? We have Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They're fishermen. And Jesus comes to them and he says, follow me. At that point, there was no excuses. They didn't say, Lord, let me go tell my wife and let me get my toothbrush packed up. Let me go get my two weeks notice. Let, let me go get a new car for the trip. Let me go. No, no, no. They never said a single word. They dropped everything they had and they began to follow him. You know what that's called? Faith. It takes faith to drop everything you love and live on to follow Jesus. But that is what he's looking for. He's not looking for someone just to go through the motions. No, he's looking for radical people who will sell out for him. Give it all. Why? It's worth it. It's worth it. Luke 14, verse 16 through 20. I told you this message is different. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at that time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I, I have bought a field. I must go see it. Who buys property without looking at it first? That's a terrible excuse, right? <laughs> Please excuse me. Another one said, I, I bought five oxen. I, I'm going on my way to try them out. Excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. If you marry someone without Jesus, you're already in trouble. You see, in this parable, everybody made excuse, excuses except one person. And that's a man who is doing the inviting. He didn't say, Lord, I'm not ready to go share. No, no. He went. He did his job. And, and all God is asking us right now just to invite people into the kingdom of God. It's real simple. But here's something that you have to keep in mind. If you don't warn them, if you do not tell them about Jesus Christ, their blood will be on your hands. Did y'all hear me? If you don't warn people who are living in sin that if you keep living like this, if you don't turn to Jesus, there will be hell to pay. If you reject the Christ, the Son of the living God, you reject His way, His teaching, and His, His Word, you will split hell wide open. If you don't tell them, Ezekiel 3, 17 through 19 tells us something that you don't want to read. Son of man, son of woman, I made you a watchman for the house of Israel, so hear the word I speak to you and give them warning for me. 
from me. When I say to a wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not warn them to speak out and dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their lives, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn that wicked man and he does not turn from their wickedness and from their evil ways, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. I don't want to go into heaven with spots on my hand. There's George's blood and Martha's blood and Leroy's blood and Samantha's blood. and I don't want to walk in her... With blood, I don't want to be like just the Jesus. Let me see your hands. But, 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 no, 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 no. I put them in your path. You know the word of God. You know the truth. But you were ashamed of me. I'm not ashamed of Christ. My Bible says if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You know why? Because you are the king's son or daughter. You belong to the Most High. We should stick our chest out and our shoulders back. And we should be so proud of who we belong to that anybody that crosses our path, we should say, you know what? I don't want your blood on my hand. They're going to like, what are you talking about? Well, let me just tell you what I'm talking about. If I don't tell you about Jesus, then you will be on my mind, on my heart, on my hands when I stand before God. And I don't want that. So right now, you need to pray in your heart, Lord, if I pass somebody up, forgive me of my sin. Get it off of you. Ask God to cover you, because He will. There's no sin that He will not forgive except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We're not preaching on that today. I close with this. Can I close? Matthew 18, 12 through 14. Jesus said, what do you think? If a man owned a hundred sheep, and one of them wandered off, would he not leave the 99 on the hill to go look for the one that wanders off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth. Truth. There's more, there's more, there's more rejoicing over that one, that one sheep that, that wandered off than over the 99 who did not wander off. He's just looking for that one. When I fish, and I'm fishing right now, I'm not fishing for the whole crowd. I'm looking for that one little sheep that one little lamb that's wandered off from the flock. You've been alone. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I'm looking for you right now. I'll buy you lunch if you'll come. How about that? And I'll charge it to Millwood Church. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, I'll pay for it out of my pocket. It's worth you. My Bible says, what does a man profit if he gain the whole world yet lose a forfeited soul? I'm looking for one lost soul in a pool of saved souls. If you're that one lost sheep, I ask you right now with all my heart, please, please come down here right now. Make your way and let me pray with you. Let me get you saved. Because tomorrow may be too late. You say, I have plenty of time, preacher. No, we don't know that. That's the problem. Because we are living in the days of Noah. And there is a special type of grace right now prepared to save you in a time such as this. God can...
take you right now. Change you from the inside out and make you into a new person. Right now you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I have not been fishing. In fact, I haven't really been hungry about fishing at all. It changes right now. Because right now Jesus is saying, hey, it's time for you to step in the boat with me. What are we going to do, Lord? We're going to do some fishing. And you say, God, just give me someone to witness to. He will. Just ask. You have not because you ask not. Just ask him for someone. He'll put them right in your path. And all it takes is one word to start the conversation. Just say, do you know Jesus? That, that's the most important thing you can say. Do you know Jesus? Let's all stand. appreciate you guys bearing with me this morning and letting me finish this message. But I think it's important, don't you? I think it's important that we leave here with the thought. The thought is this. I'm called to fish. Everybody say, I'm called to fish. No, I didn't hear you. I, I mean, do you believe it? I'm called to fish. I'm, called, I'm not called to do anything else but to bring them in. You bring the fish in, Jesus will clean them. How about that? Don't worry about cleaning them. Jesus will take care of that part. Just bring them in. The don't, if you need gas money to get there, call me. I'll give you some money. We'll get you. Whatever it takes to get you there. Come on, are you listening to me? Whatever it takes to get them saved, be willing to go that extra mile. If you didn't know Jesus, I would climb a mountain to save you. I would swim an ocean, and I can't swim a lick, maybe a little. But I would try all my might to get you to Jesus if you didn't know him. I believe you do. Brian, what would you do to save me, man? Any and everything. How much would you give for one soul? Think about it. Would you give everything your own for one soul? Jesus did. And we're his followers. Think about it. Let the word of God just soak into you right now. And just allow the word of God to, to change your desires. Quit worrying about Taco Bell. Quit worrying about a Pepsi or a Coke. All that will take care of itself. Quit worrying about a new outfit or a new purse. Who cares? Who cares if your car sucks? All that God cares about is lost souls. Period. Can we do it? Or will we do it? I know we can do it. You know why? We have something inside of us called the Holy Spirit of God. You have God inside of you. Living, dwelling, empowering you to accomplish it. You can't say, God, I couldn't do it. Why? I'm inside of you. My Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Come on, Pierre. I want to pray for you. Chris, I want to pray for you. Roger, get behind him.
Stand right there. Young man was shot. Right here, went all the way through him, came out the back. Just recently, just got out of the hospital. Lord, don't knock him down. This is not the... T <laughs> that, that's not good, Lord. But, but I want to pray for complete restoration inside of you. Look at me. Body, soul, spirit, and mind. God don't want part of you, son. Jesus spared your life. He could have said, go one inch this way, and it had been over. Lights out. But no, God had allowed just enough to open your eyes. Is that true? That's true. Now, don't waste no more time, because there ain't much time left. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless my brother in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray you bless him and heal him, deliver him from anything the enemy is trying to latch on to him. I pray that you would restore his body even now 100%. Restore his mind, his soul, and spirit, Lord. Draw him closer to the cross than he's ever been. Lord, help him to crucify that flesh, and Lord, give him a new hunger and thirst for new things. Lord, I command old things right now in the name of Jesus to fall off. Old habits, old desires, old wills. I pray the new will of God to move fresh in his mind. Give him a hunger and thirst for your word like never before. Lord, I pray that he can't sleep unless he reads something about you. Lord, do something supernatural in his life. You started something now, Lord. Finish it in the mighty name of Christ. I bless him in the name of Jesus. text to Roger the other day and I said Roger God won't love you more or less than he does right now he'll never love you less he'll never love you more than he does right now he's telling you right now I love you I love you don't allow the enemy to latch on to your mind. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body, soul, and spirit. Do not allow the enemy into this playground called the mind. You stand and say in the name of Jesus. Let me hear you say it. I didn't hear you. In the name of Jesus, I command you, Satan, to take your filthy hands off of God's property. I'm not my own. I was bought with a price, and I will honor God with my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind. All that I am is His. I belong to the living God. Satan, you are a trespasser. 
go in the mighty name of Christ. We command it by the blood of the living God. Flee. Come on, amen. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling a little revival starting to rise up here. Somebody said, I got to go to the restroom, then take off. I can feel something happening right now. Because right now you're not thinking about Taco Bell. Come on. You're not thinking about Metallica record. No, no. You're thinking about Jesus. And now your focus is off everything that, that had you when you walked in the door. But right now, you got the right heart. Because right now, you're thinking about bringing somebody into the boat. When we take this fellowship up into heaven, we need to fill her up. When I see young people coming, I get excited. Because I can't reach them like you can. Now, God's giving you a test and use it as a testimony. All you have to say, God spared my life. What did he do? I got shot. Point blank. Nine millimeter, baby. He came out living, breathing, testifying. Woo! I don't want to be shot, but man, that's awesome. Please don't shoot me. But you guys, y'all have a safe trip going home. And remember, he loves you more right now than he ever will. No matter what you do, it never changes the love of God. Your sin can't change the love of God. Your hatred cannot change the love of God. Your ugliness cannot change it. God is love. That's who he is. He can't help himself. He's freaky about you, man. I used to be crazy. Couldn't wait to see my wife. He can't wait to hear from you, man. It's like, he's like waiting. Come on, Sammy, wake up. Call to me. He's waiting on that call. Y'all leave here today excited. Because you have a king who died for your soul. Amen. Y'all have a blessed day.